0: Hello and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I'm your host, Charlie. And I'm your other host, James. Do you ever
1: read science in the news and wonder, isn't there more behind the story? Well, every Thursday, Charlie and I go to the actual research papers behind these stories to open up the work behind beautiful new discoveries
0: and to cut through
1: misinformation
0: in the media. On today's episode, I'm bringing in a paper that says that where you live in a time zone could actually have a big impact on your health and not just your health, but also on the economy and your income. I have not read this paper,
1: but I'm actually recording from Arizona, one of the few states that doesn't switch time zones. So I'm curious to know if this is affecting everybody around me without me realizing it.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. I'll, I'll let you know, James. <laughs> so James and I are both PhD students, and we read a lot of papers for our own research. And so on this podcast, we thought we'd use that skill in order to share our love for science with anyone who wants to learn about discoveries that affect us all.
1: We are the paper boys. Well, before we get started, Charlie and I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're not already, please follow us on Instagram or Twitter, our handles at PaperboysPod. You can stay up to date on the latest episodes and content. And most importantly, if you have any questions or comments about our episodes, you can reach out to us. Charlie and I love to hear from our fans, especially to see where you guys are listening to Paperboys and what you think of the episodes. It means a lot to us, and we've had a lot of great episodes that have come from paper recommendations from fans like you. All
0: right, Charlie. So, how did you actually hear about this study? So, this one came up in a bunch of headlines, like every episode of Paperboys does, and they really jumped out at me because I have to say I'm not the most disciplined sleeper, which I think is something probably all of us would describe ourselves as, at least in grad school. Yeah, it's it's hard to get on a good sleeping rhythm in grad school. And so, I'm always kind of uh, in tune with any sort of headlines that suggest a link between sleeping and health, despite the fact that I would rather just tune that unfortunate fact out. Huh. So what sort of headlines did you see? So the Washington Post said, how living on the wrong side of a time zone can be hazardous to your health. Daily Mail says, people in the west of each time zone sleep less, make less and are sicker. Study reveals. That doesn't sound good, does it?
1: No, because we're on like the far, we're as far west in the time zone as you can get, basically.
0: Yeah, Seattle's not, definitely not east, let's say that. Which other ones did you see? Yeah, so, you, you know, a lot more of the same. New York Post says, living on the wrong side of a time zone can damage your health. Okay, starting to see a trend. Yeah, unfortunately, a trend that doesn't look so good for, I don't know, probably about half of all people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, you think about the whole western seaboard and kind of out of luck there.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's not just, you know, the western seaboard. It's in any given time zone. I mean, this study was only on U.S. time zones. But, you know, you could be living in. In Lubbock. You could be in Lubbock. (laughs) Where's Lubbock?
1: (laughs) Western Texas.
0: Yeah, exactly. You could live in Lubbock, Texas and be just as out of luck as living in San Francisco.
1: Big shout out to all of our listeners in Lubbock.
0: Yeah, if anyone's listening from Lubbock, shoot us a tweet. Let us know if you're experiencing any adverse health effects. Only if they're related to the time zone that you live in, though. Yes, only those kinds of things.
1: So what was the paper that's behind all of these news headlines?
0: The paper was published in the uh, May 2019 issue of Journal of Health Economics, and it's called Sunset Time and the Economic Effects of Social Jetlag: Evidence from U.S. Time Zone Borders. Uh, the, the, there's two authors. Ocia Gentella from the University of Pittsburgh and Fabrizio Mazzana from Università della Svizzera Italiana. Hmm. That's cool. It's a pretty poetic title. Sunset it time. It is. Yeah. Sunsets and and social jet lag. Sorry I'm late. I'm just running on sunset time. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like a
1: nice vacation. Alright, so this title also mentioned social jet lag.
0: What is that? Yeah, it's this term that was coined, I guess, by chronobiologists, which I, I didn't even know that was a real job title, but it sounds pretty cool. It sounds like a lot of Swiss people. You must be Swiss to be a chronobiologist. Yeah. Well, the second author is from a Swiss university, so that explains it. There you go. There you go. So social jet lag refers to the discrepancy between our biological time and our social time. So think about biologically, your body is sort of programmed to want to sleep after the sun goes down and want to wake up when the sun rises. So you should be sort of in tune with sunset and sunrise. But in reality, that's not how it works. I mean, we have TV late at night and we actively like to keep ourselves awake late in order to go eat dinner with friends or go out. And then we wake up really early to go to our early jobs, sometimes even before the sunrise. And that's the social time and so you can see there's obviously a discrepancy between those two things.
1: That's so interesting. So I basically had like naturally I'm ready for bed at the same time since I was like five years old. Ever since I was five, I'm like ready for bed,
0: 10.30 on a late night. Yeah, 10.30 is being generous. <laughs> you're, you're usually the first one to leave, leave the bar at about 8 p.m. So
1: you gotta get you got to get ready for bed. But like, yeah. you know, that's just totally natural for me. But I know someone from my lab was like, I'd get in early and we'd want to do an experiment together and like his early was like 1 p.m. Yeah. And that was just like we we're on totally different natural schedules.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It's probably way better off for both of your health. So when you're not doing that, when you both have to be there at nine o'clock, they call that forced synchronization. And so that's like, you know how you always hear how, um oh, a study shows that school start times, if you push school start times back by an hour, then students will increase their test scores. It's because you're forcing people to be somewhere that they are too tired to be, it, you know, your health and your performance will suffer. Wow,
1: interesting. What do you, is there like a specific term for that? This forced synchronization?
0: That is the term, forced synchronization. And oh, it leads okay. to social jet lag, which is the other official term, I guess. I mean, I'm not a chronobiologist, but that, these are the actual terms they use in the paper.
1: Well, Charlie, you sure sound like one. So you mentioned like on a high level what some of these detrimental effects are, like suffering test scores if you're a student, um, maybe less productivity at work. But do you know like physiologically, is there a physiological reason for this or is it just like you're spending too much energy trying to get out of bed and stumble through making coffee?
0: Yeah, so it is a physiological effect. You know, you hear about your circadian rhythms and I'm going to be honest, like I always kind of just thought that was a buzzword, but that's a real thing. Your circadian rhythm really refers to like the 24-hour cycle that your body does releasing different types of hormones. And when you disrupt your circadian rhythms, it desynchronizes the release of these hormones. And I think the big ones they call out in the paper are melatonin, which regulates sleep. Like when it starts getting dark out, your body starts secreting melatonin, and that makes you feel drowsy. Uh, Another one is cortisol, which they call the stress hormone. And then there's also ghrelin which makes you feel hungry, and leptin, which is what makes you stop eating when you've had enough. So you can imagine disrupting any of these four hormones could be really bad for you. I mean, sleep, stress, and diet are, are probably the three things that contribute the most to your health.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. So have you heard of the Mars 500 experiment that happened a few years ago? I have not. What is it? So there were six participants, and they essentially isolated these folks for six days. It may have been a Russian experiment with the goal of learning about human psychology on what would be a long-duration trip to Mars, you know, so the time to get there, be on the planet, and then come back. And one of the biggest problems that they found was one guy's circadian rhythm was slightly off from the others, so his sleep cycle was different. So there were periods when like he was awake and they were sleeping and vice versa. And that was like, I think, one of the biggest problems that they faced because then the social isolation and the stress that that builds, it's like a really vicious cycle.
0: Man, that sounds crazy. It's like you and your lab mate only being forced to live in a confined space together for 500 days or I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. But basically the same thing. Yeah, pretty much the same thing.
0: But I mean, you can imagine how that would... Yeah, I can totally imagine how that would affect your life in such a horrible way.
1: Definitely. And that's a it's a very extreme case. But it makes me wonder, like, you know, is this just a new problem that we're facing now when we're trying to send people to Mars and we have LED lights and cell phones and stuff? Or has this always been a problem?
0: That's actually a great question. They address that in the paper. This is like very much a modern problem. So they cited some studies that said in a lot of countries, people get Two hours less of sleep every night than our ancestors from just a hundred years ago got. Really? Yeah, that's a very short period of time. And you're talking about two hours less. I mean, that's like 25% less sleep. Versus like millions of years of evolution to get to this point. Yes, for million, like for, I don't know, 100,000 years, humans have slept the right amount of time, I assume. And now in the last hundred years, we're like, nah, we're not going to do that, man. Yeah. And, and a lot of these chronobiologists say that um, they actually quote one of these papers and they say, unnatural timing of sleep may be the most prevalent high risk behavior in modern society. Dang. So <laughs> tell that to the person on the freeway who is texting next to me today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that is true. But I think they haven't caught up with all the texting and driving, but
1: just makes you want to roll down your window and shout, you need to get more sleep but
0: (laughs) yeah sleeps more but actually i've actually heard that it's there's something like getting only five hours of sleep in a night for like two or three nights in a row is equivalent to being over 0.08 on a breathalyzer test in terms of driving only five wow it's like the same impairment as being drunk when you're driving
1: that's nuts because i know a lot of people who only
0: get like five hours of sleep and they're like
1: i don't need more sleep whatever
0: yeah i mean don't you know don't quote me on the exact number but sleep deprivation is obviously a very big problem
1: interesting interesting since this is a modern problem that i'm sure like cell phone screens and tablets and computers and things like that are not helping it seems like this must be a pretty active area of research right like have there been any other studies that are have looked at this not just because of technology but i mean it seems like we often talk about daylight savings and time zones and things like that seems like it could be a big body of research
0: Yeah, so it is actually a really growing body of research, especially relating to not just health, but also economics, which this paper sort of focuses on as well. And you're right, like daylight savings is is usually a big focus. And you know, there's been studies that show when we set our clocks back in the fall, there's like a short term health benefit that comes with that. I think for like four days afterwards, people see, you know, better health. And then when you set the clocks forward in the spring, you don't really see a decrease in health the same way that you saw the the improvement hmm. but economically they s- they show that when you go to daylight savings times there is an increase in fatal car crashes so that probably has to do with the you know sleep deprivation and driving we were talking about whoa and there's also a seven percent a increase in robberies really yeah i thought that was kind of crazy i mean i'm wonder- i wonder if that just has to do with more nighttime allowing robbers to do their robbing <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
1: Well, that's interesting about daylight savings, um, but you were mentioning this paper actually really focused on the time zones, right?
0: Yeah. So what they are hoping to do with this paper is almost use like the boundary between time zones as sort of a laboratory for mm. testing the effects of social jet lag. So you can imagine if you're trying to study this effect that forced synchronization could have on people's health and on their income... It's really hard to isolate that one variable in a community because there's so many different effects that could be going on, especially relating to like an area where work starts earlier more generally than there. I mean, there could be just lots of confounding factors. So what these researchers wanted to do was look at this border where the time zones are actually drawn. And so they looked at the three different borders in the U.S. And the reason that's useful is that imagine like two neighboring counties that are separated by this time zone border. They're both going to experience sunset simultaneously, but for one of them, that sunset is a full hour later. The one on the east side of the time zone border, their clocks read a full hour later at the same exact sunset.
1: That makes sense. And I've definitely been in that position, I'm sure we all have, where you you look at the clock and you're like,
0: well, I'm tired, but it's 830.
1: I can't go to sleep right now on principle, at least if you weren't me.
0: Well, yeah. And especially like, I mean, we live in Seattle. We're very far north. And in the summer, it can be still light out at, you know, almost 10 p.m. And you're like, well, I've still got I've still got the whole night ahead of me. And once it gets dark, you think, well, I've still got a couple hours. And so you go to bed much later.
1: Yeah. And then the sun's up again at like four o'clock and you're like, well, start over. Do it again.
0: Yeah. And so that's exactly why this forced synchronization is a problem, is that let's say you live right on the eastern side of that time zone boundary. You're going to go to bed later than the people on the west side of it, but you still have to be up at the same time for work. So I might be going to bed a full hour later, but I still have to get up at 7 a.m. And so the theory is that you would sleep less and get more sleep deprivation and have um, worse effects on your health as a result in the long term.
1: Okay, wait. So just to simplify it in terms so I can make sure I understand it. Let's say we have a time zone border between Pacific time and mountain time. So if I'm in Los Angeles and the sun sets, let's say it's like 8 p.m., but if you're in Phoenix, then it's 9 p.m., right? Yeah, exactly. And so the general trend then is that people on the east or
0: west side end up going to sleep earlier. The people on the west side will go to sleep earlier because it's nighttime earlier for them, and so naturally they're going to want to fall asleep earlier.
1: Okay, because it's darker earlier. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: There's also another effect going on, which really shows why this is a, a modern problem, is that television times with primetime TV play actually plays a big role. Really. So, for example, on the East Coast, in the Eastern Time Zone, primetime TV is at like 10 p.m., but in the Central Time Zone, that same show is airing at 9 p.m. So, if you're staying up to watch, you know, on Sunday night to watch Game of Thrones, it's going to be nine o'clock on the east coast whereas it might be eight o'clock if you're watching from minneapolis and so when game of thrones ends you know you're going to spend the next hour searching the subreddit and posting your memes and then fall asleep (laughs) and it'll be you know and it'll be 1 a.m by the time you fall asleep on the east coast but it might only be midnight when you fall asleep in minneapolis so
1: okay okay so where did the researchers actually get the data that they're using for this analysis did they have to collect it um themselves they get it from somewhere else it seems like a challenging problem to get all this information
0: yeah it is a hard problem because they're trying to get enough data from enough counties all along these time zone borders to draw like a meaningful conclusion i mean you can't just pick two counties say oh this one's on the west side and this one's on the east side of the border you know therefore theory proven you need like a full a full set of data so they The main sources they drew from were there was one database called the American Time Use Survey, where people report, I guess, how they use their time. (laughs) But one of those things is (laughs) how much they sleep and what time they go to bed. Okay. And they were able to get data from uh, a number of counties across the country that gave them data on sort of like sleep deprivation, basically. And then there were some limitations in that database, though. So they also looked at county-level health information from the Centers for Disease Control, Just to see if there's any sort of general trend where they, if when you cross the border from one time zone to another, do you see any sort of discontinuities in health effects? Oh, interesting. And then they also pulled data from uh, the Jawbone Sleep Tracker app. I don't know if you ever used that. I think Jawbone was like one of those, you know, Fitbit type devices or something. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, just tracks when people sleep. And so they could like pull all that data and figure out what time people were going to bed, essentially.
1: Whoa, that's pretty cool. So did it work? I mean I see you you've shared this map with me. That's pretty cool. It lists it shows the entire United States with a color map basically of counties and people's bedtimes, right?
0: Yeah, so if you look at this map, and you know, we can post this on our on our website. If you look at this map, it's color coded by what time people fall asleep. And this came from the Jawbone Sleep Tracking app. And you know, they've highlighted these time zone borders and you can see, you know, light is going to sleep earlier and dark is going to sleep later. On the eastern side of the time zone borders, it's very dark. And as you keep moving further and further east, getting closer to the next time zone, it's getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And then you hit that next time zone border and just like instantly back to dark. Las Vegas is a bit of an outlier here. (laughs) Yeah, Las Vegas is like pitch black. It's so dark. But you can see... There's these very obvious discontinuities in terms of what time people are falling asleep. People on the west side of the time zone borders are falling asleep at an earlier time than people on the east side. It's, it's interesting.
1: Yeah, there are a few examples that it's like very apparent, like the time zone between central and eastern cuts through Kentucky and Tennessee. And, you know, there's no reason you would expect one side from the other to be different colors corresponding to different sleep times. It's drastically different. Also, the upper peninsula of Michigan, you know, which is just north of Wisconsin, but still pretty far west of like mainland Michigan, is pretty dark. And then Wisconsin itself, which is on the eastern edge of the time zone, is pretty light. It's cool to see. All right. So the researchers were able to get all this data from Jawbone and the CDC, and they were able to put together this awesome map, which I'm thoroughly enjoying looking at. But what were some of their specific findings when they actually got to crunching the data?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you can see qualitatively that, yes, people are falling asleep later. But, you know, yeah, you're right. Like, what effect are we actually seeing there? They found from the American Time Use Survey that employed people living on the late sunset side of the time zone border. So it's the eastern side of the border are getting 19 minutes less sleep on average than people in the neighboring county just to the west of the border. So it's not a huge difference, but there's a very clear discontinuity that shows up in the graphs in this paper. Interesting. Wow. And more so than that, they found that the people on the late sunset side are more likely to be sleep deprived, more likely to sleep less than six hours and less likely to sleep at least eight hours. Now, I got to ask the question, is there
1: just a whole group of, you know, Silicon Valley startup workers who are drinking Soylent and not going to sleep in San Francisco that is weighing this out of proportion?
0: By the way, this study is constructed that would be impossible because they're only looking at counties that are within, I think, 250 miles of the time zone border, and I don't think that I don't think Silicon Valley meets that. Okay, okay, I had to ask. So you you have not discredited this study yet, James.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, so you mentioned that this conclusion was specifically for employed people. What happens to the unemployed, like young people or
0: others? Yeah, so they actually didn't see the same discontinuity when they looked at the unemployed population. And then they also noticed that this effect of getting less sleep was even worse for people who have to work earlier and for people who have school-age kids. So if you have to... Yeah, if your kids... I mean, this is another effect of early school start times is that the parents have to be up to send their kids off before they go to work. Oh,
1: so they're like kind of like double jeopardy
0: yeah i mean you know you kind of know the trope of like just the sleep deprived parent who's like a zombie that's a real thing i mean parents are getting less sleep when their kids are having to get up for school
1: so what's the conclusion move to the east side of your time zone if you're about to have kids
0: yeah i guess so (laughs) move somewhere where the sun sets really early (laughs) well interesting well so did they find any other like health related information with this yeah, absolutely. So I know we've been talking just about sleep deprivation, but obviously the subtext here is that sleep deprivation is very bad for you. And so that's where they dove into the CDC data and like totally confirmed what they expected. There were significant discontinuities at the time zone border in the incidence of obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and breast cancer. And I will I'll wow. let you guess which side of the time zone border you think had the higher incidence of those. <laughs> I'm going to say the west side. Wait, no, the east side. The east side, yeah, where the sun sets later. Where the sun sets later. Yeah. Okay. And just just to clear up confusion or this might actually be more confusing, but when we're talking about the east side of the time zone border, that's actually the furthest west in the time zone. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, so like Denver is on the west side of the time zone border but it's on the eastern edge of the mountain time zone.
0: Right, right. So when we're talking about late sunset side, it means that you're just barely east of the time zone border.
1: Okay, so there are significant discontinuities, like you said, at the time zone border between the two communities on either side. But how significant are these discontinuities?
0: Yeah, so on the late sunset side of the border, people are 11% more likely to be overweight. And there's a 21 percent increase in obesity compared to the average of the sample that they used in this study
1: wow 11 percent more likely to be overweight and like one in five more people are obese
0: yeah it's crazy like just from living i mean you could live 20 miles apart and have a community that is like noticeably more obese i'm glad there's no one like you know
1: on the other side of the Pacific time zone from where we are. So we don't have to like (laughs) compare ourselves and look at how healthy they are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We're on the late sunset side and we can look out at all those ocean dwellers. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I guess there's Hawaii. Be jealous of all their sunshine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, so it is significant and they composed kind of this like composite health index that I think had to do with the incidence of a bunch of different diseases that are whatever standard indicators of health. And living on the late sunset side showed a decrease in their health index of 0.3 standard deviations. Wow. Which is like not insignificant. I mean, that's probably what, like 10 or 20 percentile points, like lower in the health index. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. I'm surprised. Did they have any suggestions as to biological mechanisms that might be causing this?
0: Yeah, they do sort of attempt a hypothesis here based on studies about sleep loss and What they suggest is that sleep deprivation has an association with the release of hormones that cause weight gain. And there's also an association with inflammations that can lead to cardiovascular disease and even some types of cancers. And so, you know, the literature says sleep deprivation does these things. They find these people are sleep deprived and they have these diseases. Gee, I wonder what the cause is. (laughs) Jeez, yeah. I wonder what the impact is too.
1: I mean, all these people... We're now sleep-deprived and less healthy. It doesn't seem like that's generally a benefit to society.
0: Well, no, and that's actually where the paper goes next. So you remember this is in the Journal of Health Economics, and so we talked about the health, now they cover the economics, and it's also not great. <laughs> so the healthcare cost from all the increased diseases and obesity, they estimate costs at least... billion dollars every year whoa just from these late sunset side counties and then in terms of productivity just from sleep loss they estimate that uh, an equivalent of 4.4 million days worth of work goes down the drain in productivity every year dang that's a lot yeah just
1: doing a quick calculation
0: and in financial terms that's you know, at whatever the median wage is, that's $613 million in productivity that's lost. That's
1: like losing 12,000. That's like you had 12,000
0: people who worked for a year. All that work is gone. Okay. That's, that's a horrible way to think of it. Like just wiping out an entire company, basically. Yeah. Huge company.
1: What if that company was NASA?
0: Yeah. Wow. So it
1: sounds like there's a, there's a big impact based on which side of the time zone you live. Were there any other interesting side effects from that? You know, I'm, like, thinking about if you lived on one side of the time zone and you worked on the other, like, you'd always have to be changing your clock. Like, that would be a strange lifestyle.
0: I know. It's funny because, like, reading this paper, I was just thinking, like, Wow, what a weird thing to live near a time zone border. And then I realized that's like probably tens, if not hundreds of millions of people, probably live very close to a time zone border and would, yeah, would experience it. Like you might have friends who you want to hang out with and you're talking about different times, you know? Yeah. Like how many blind dates have been ruined because of a, you know, sitcom level time mix up?
1: (laughs) This will never just, this will never work. You're an East Coast time girl. I'm central time. Yeah.
0: He said to meet you at nine o'clock. No, nine, eight central. (laughs) a great punchline but you would think that with these effects that people would not want to live on the late sunset side and that there'd be like some detriment right but they didn't actually find that to be the case there was no difference in property values or rent or commute times looking between the two sides of time zone borders hmm. which suggests that people have no problem living on either side right yeah but they did find a discontinuity in income per capita And so they found that wages were 3% lower across the board in counties on the late sunset side of the border.
1: Okay. So if you live east the time zone border, then you are making 3% less.
0: Yes. I mean, on average and, you know, it's income per capita. So there's kind of this bulk effect that, I mean, you have to assume has to do with uh, some sort of, you know, sleep loss and loss in productivity, not being able to negotiate a better salary, whatever it is and you would kind of think that people wouldn't want to live there because if they're going to make less money but then they sort of this is where the the economists come in and and they say like well people do not behave rationally and they seek to maximize marginal utility and but basically they kind of use those types of terms and say that people don't really have a strong incentive to prefer one side over the other because yeah you might make 3% less which is something you may not even notice on the average but living on the late sunset time as we can vouch for living in seattle it's pretty nice having daylight until nine o'clock until ten o'clock like you can do more stuff you can hang out with your friends you can go out to eat later and generally you get some more you get more marginal utility out of it
1: that's what i think about every day when i wake up trying to maximize my marginal utility yeah no that i think that's a it's a good explanation for it i love summer like the late days and stuff it's Super nice.
0: It's amazing. And I hate winter, the short days. We're very simple creatures, yeah. James.
1: Yep. Just furry little animals. <laughs> yeah. Like a long day. Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for bringing this one in, Charlie. As someone who loves sleeping and am generally concerned about my health, I found it particularly relevant to life in general.
0: I know. This one kind of alarmed me. I'm not going to lie. And it made me be like, damn it. All those times that I made fun of James for going to bed early. He's going to have the last laugh.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I probably outdid all of that with the number of eggs I've been eating.
0: But <laughs> That's true. We're even now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you have any other last thoughts about this article or the news articles that you read related to it?
0: Yeah. I mean, besides my sweeping declaration that I'm not going to stare at my phone for two hours in bed every night, I thought this was a super fascinating paper. And going back to the news articles, you know, the Washington Post article I thought it was a pretty good summary of the issue, sort of broadly. It was lacking some details. Like it didn't really talk about this effect that the paper discusses about T V times and how this is like maybe a problem coming from modern effects. It doesn't talk at all about the economic impact, which I actually thought was almost the more interesting part of this paper. Hmm. And like the core purpose of Oh, never mind. Health is the core purpose. Well, there it's both. I mean, there were two motivations to this study. That's why it wasn't just published in a biology journal. It was published in journal of health economics both parts of the question matter
1: that's a good point
0: yeah the other thing that i kind of was left wondering after reading the paper and also didn't see any news articles discussing is whether latitude comes into play here so a big part of why here in seattle we get such a late sunset in the summer is that we're extremely far north for the united states Whereas people in maybe Florida, who are very far south in the United States, see a much more consistent sunset time. And so I would wonder if there's any way that they could do a similar analysis where they compare almost the late sunset latitudes versus the early sunset latitudes. Or maybe that doesn't have an effect because they're really only looking in these long-term effects that happen over the average. And when you average out a year in Seattle, you're still getting the same average sunset time. I don't know. Yeah, that
1: would be interesting. That's one thing Like, looking at the map, I don't see an obvious trend north to south, but, like, I don't know enough about how the data was collected and displayed. Um, That's a really good point.
0: Yeah. And, you know, one of the metrics they were using in this paper was average sunset time, which, you know, like I mentioned, doesn't really capture seasonal changes at all. No. Or what about, you know, living in a place like San Francisco where, like, it might be foggy, you know, every day for, like, six months or something.
1: Or like Minneapolis, maybe you're getting a lot of sleep, but you are not going outside for three months because it's too cold.
0: Yeah. So I'd be interested in some some of those effects if they're really talking about how you might get biologically desynchronized. But again, I think that it still is a valuable paper because that was kind of their whole point was like without saying anything about necessarily those effects, they're kind of saying those are so complicated let's look at this one really simple case where it's very clear-cut you have communities that are just miles apart and the only difference is this is the sunset time
1: yeah i mean i i guess that's one of the challenges in general of economics too it's like there are so many variables yeah economics and sociology and medicine and there's a lot but
0: yeah so i thought that you know on the whole even though i did have like a couple issues with the paper and it was kind of you know not super well written in some places I thought in the end it's a very clever approach to to isolate that variable. So,
1: nice. Well, thanks. That was a really interesting article. I'm ready to go to sleep early tonight now based on what you said boost my productivity for tomorrow and my percentage likelihood of staying oh, healthy of being
0: obese, yeah. Yeah, I honestly feel like I'm going to I need to get on a more rigid sleep schedule now. If you want to learn more about this research, you can check out the paper itself as well as news articles, and we'll definitely post that really cool chart of all the counties in the U.S. on our website, paperboyspodcast.com. We also have merchandise on there. There's a link to our TeePublic Public site where we're selling T-shirts, and mugs, and stickers, pretty much anything. But uh, the T-shirts are really cool. James and I both just got some for ourselves, and I even got a sweatshirt and I wore it out and got tons of compliments. <laughs> really, just one, but. I was pretty happy. So
1: Nice. Nice. If you enjoyed this episode as well, please don't forget to share this on social media. You can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at PaperboysPod. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Join us next week for another exciting edition of Paperboys. Thanks for listening.